Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. It's different for everyone. One thing is certain. Every day there's an opportunity for a win. Just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Everyday grab-and-go. Everyday giftable. Everyday fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher High Roller Blackjack with a chance to win up to 10 times your prize. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to a retailer near you. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 4.16. Cox can help make your home smarter and your life easier. Now you can use your Contour voice remote to connect to your home life cameras so you can view them right on your TV screen using simple voice commands. That makes it easy to keep tabs on what's happening around your home right from your couch. Need to keep an eye on the kids when they're playing outside? Just say, show me my backyard camera into your Cox voice remote and watch them while you're in the house. And if you're waiting for a delivery and want to make sure it's there on time, no problem. Just say, show me driveway camera to check on it with your Home Life HD cameras on the TV screen while you go about your day. When you live in a home powered by Cox Internet, you can stay connected to what matters and let Cox take care of the rest. To learn more about all the benefits of your connected home, visit cox.com slash thisishome today. Contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Welcome, boys and girls, to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt, presented by BetOnline.ag. That's your online sportsbook experts, the exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet. Use the promo code PODCAST1. You get a 50% sign-up bonus at BetOnline.ag. It's a Brandt's Rants version of the Business of Sports. I'm going to have a couple rants. My first one really involves what I'm doing now, right this week. I'm teaching a one-week mini-course at University of Miami Law School, a good way, a good excuse to get out of the cold of the Northeast, come down to Miami while it's freezing up north, and teach a course. And it's been an interesting experience. And I guess my rant here is about so many people. I must get emails, texts, DMs, Twitter, uh, Facebook, wherever, people calling in just saying, how can I get into sports or people that want to change careers and get into sports, even older people, but mostly young people. All the way down, I get messages from junior high, high school kids, obviously college and law school and grad school and business school, want to get into sports. And I wish there was a formula to do that. I really do. Because then I could just say, do this and it'll work. And whether that's law school, business school, internship, sports management school, whatever it may be, unfortunately, there's not. And there's really no good answer. Everyone wants, you know, you hear right place, right time. You think of, I talk about my path and things that happened for me. It's not a concrete thing that people can grab hold of and say, okay, that's it. That's how I get in. The only thing I can say to people that want to get into sports is make yourself different somehow, some way. And here's the thing. Never in an interview or informational interview or talking to someone in sports, Go on about how you love sports. Whatever. Everyone loves sports. That's a given. If you want to work in this industry, a passion for sports is great. It is common. The question is, what can you do to make that employer in sports better and take work off her, his or her desk? And how do you separate yourself from the pack? And this is, again, when teaching so many about sports law, sports business, this is what I do, kind of my day job at Villanova. Here I am at University of Miami, 
for a week, get called to speak all over the country. Make yourself different. Somehow separate yourself from the pack. And here's the advice I give. Go narrow and go deep. Tell the person what you want to do exactly. Not that you want to work as an agent. Well, what about being an agent? What do you have that's going to separate you? Why would a young person, football, basketball, baseball, hockey, tennis, soccer, why would they sign with you? Okay, maybe you have experience in that sport. Maybe you were a player. That puts you a leg up, but, but there are a lot of players that are doing that. If you want to go to a front office, what makes you different? Well, I want to work in front office. That's not good enough. I want to work in scouting. Okay, why? Why you? What do you have as a special sauce in scouting that can make you figure out who's going to be a talented player at the next level? What do you have? And then if you want to work in the area I was in, <laughs> excuse me, salary cap, contract management, cap, what do you have there? So when I say go narrow, go deep, show something, show a written assignment, show a paper, show a writing sample, show a graph, show an Excel chart, show something you prepared where people can say, wow, this is not just a kid, a young person, even an older person saying I want to transition to sports because it's fun, it's cool, it's sexy, it's something more interesting than what I'm doing now. But they've thought about it, they put effort into it, and they've shown me something. So that's the thing to do. Go narrow, go deep. And I know a lot of young people listening are saying, well, I, I don't really have that special skill. Well, work on it. And never send out a resume or an interest or go up to someone at a conference without, without having something behind that. And that something behind that can't just be a handshake and a smile. It's got to be something you've done that shows you're different. And in terms of conferences or going up to people, you know, I'm at these conferences, you get mobbed after your appearance, especially with people asking questions. It makes a difference to someone if you come up and don't spend a lot of their time because you know there's a line waiting. And maybe say something like, I know you're busy right now. Here's my card. And hope I talk to you later. And then when that person's emptying his pockets, he'll say, okay, yeah, that was a nice kid. Maybe I'll reach out. Those are the kind of things that separate yourself. But again, my first rant really revolves around here, teaching young people. So many people want to get into sports. I wish there was an easy answer. The only answer I can give is find a differentiator that makes you different from so many that want to get into sports. It's so competitive. Everyone wants to do it for different reasons. Don't let your reason be because I love sports or because I go to every game or I've been a Yankees fan since I was four years old. No one cares. What's your difference? How do you make them their life easier and go for that? So that's my beginning rant about sports. And I'll get into my next rant, which is more topical about what's going on in the NFL hiring process. But first, a word from a new sponsor, Peter Merlar. You know, I was never loyal to one brand of clothing. I'd open my closet grab whatever's hanging in there. Then I just got my first Peter Millar polo a little while ago. It's a game changer. And now my closet's full of Peter Millar. It's it's just comfortable from the feel to look. It's better stitching, buttons, zippers, attention to detail. I have polos, sports shirts, quarter zips. They all look great. I can go from work to dinner feeling great, look even better wearing my Peter Millar and you feel better. So, Head over to petermillar.com slash business, all caps, B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S, 
and experience this quality for yourself. You'll see some of my favorite styles of Peter Millar. Use my link. You'll receive complimentary shipping and a free hat from Peter Millar. That's M-I-L-L-A-R dot com slash business. PeterMillar.com slash business. Go there for some great style, comfortable clothes that I use every day. Now on to the rant of the week. Listen, the NFL hiring process, here we go. (laughs) It's almost done as I record this. I've written about it. I've talked about it. Listen, we go through this every year. This year, one quarter of NFL head coaching jobs turned over. Two years ago, it was seven. The only one remaining from that class is Doug Peterson of the Philadelphia Eagles, many called the least accomplished, the least uh, prone to success of that group in 2017. Here we are in 2019, and we have, at this recording, six of the eight jobs filled. The Packers with Matt LaFleur, the Jets with Adam Gaze, the uh, Cardinals with Cliff Kingsbury, uh, the Browns with Freddie Kitchens. Uh, These are all the the openings that have been filled. Um, And the Broncos with Vic Fangio. Um, Okay, I'm not going to go through them all now. But the, the point is, these are all jobs that are turned over in the NFL. It happens so fast. Uh, you know, two reasons I think it happens so fast. Number one, everybody sees teams get better faster going from worst to first and says, why not us? Number two, these value, these franchises now $2 billion plus for the average franchise. Owners are looking that and they can cover $10, 15000000 million of coaching costs left over from a firing. This is what happened with the one and done with Steve Wilkes in Arizona. That seems to me patience is at an all-time low, and these owners are looking around at their owner brethren and like, they got it done. Why can't we? So here we go. We have all these changes, and really my comment is what's been out there and a little bit twist on it. Everybody's looking for that next, right? What's the next? And the next tends to be in an age range of the 30s to low 40s. It tends to be an offensive coach. And that's what they're looking for. You look at what happened, for instance, in Arizona and Green Bay. Green Bay I'll talk about for a minute because I was involved in the last two coaching searches and hires for the Packers. Mike Sherman in 2001 and Mike McCarthy in 2006. It's been a long time since the Packers hired a new coach and they just did in Matt LaFleur. What does he come with? Well, the resume brings time with Sean McVay. That seems to be a winner this year and, and how they're doing. Again, Sean McVay, the look, the success, the prototype for what teams are looking for. So Matt LaFour was under Sean McVay for years with Cal Shanahan, who's said to be a very creative offensive coach, with Mike Shanahan. He was in the uh, Titans last year calling plays. He fit the mold. He's 39. Nice-looking guy. Seems to be able to connect with Aaron Rodgers. That's the mold they're looking for. Was Matt LaFleur in play with other teams? Probably not. And that's what they went for. It just seems like there's no rhyme or reason to the coaching hires, and we don't know. I mean, this is an obvious statement. No one knows how things will turn out. If you went into this hiring season and said who was the hottest prospect, you'd probably come up with Josh McDaniels once again, even though he reneged on the Colts last year, but he's decided to stay in New England, perhaps because... 
he didn't find the activity he was looking for on the market. Taking you inside the interviews, obviously it's going to be changed from team to team in terms of what they're looking for. In my experience, you talk a lot about the personnel of the team. You ask the coach, what do you think? What do you think of these players? These are our top draft picks in later years. These are people we're high on, or maybe even don't say that and see what the coach says about players you're high on. See if that matches up. See how they're going to use them. See what the personnel schemes are going to be. And usually the coaching interviews are done because there's no coaches there to interview. It's done from the personnel side. And what the personnel side is looking for is does his vision of this team match up with ours? And then from the ownership or in, in the Packers case, the president, Mark Murphy's vantage point does this person represent us? He's going to be the face of the franchise. How does he look? How does he sound? How will he stand up? How will he deal with difficult situations? Will he be comfortable with the uncomfortable? Those are the things you're looking for. The added twist in recent years has been search firms. Search firms, to me, have little value, and they're paid a lot of money. 25 to 30% of first-year salary goes to these search firms. It's a boondoggle. Why are owners doing this? And they continue to do it. I'm told they were used in Tampa Bay this year to hire Bruce Arians, who everyone knows who Bruce Arians is. Well, the reason they're hired to do it, in my mind, is to check the box. The owner's doing everything he can to satisfy his own interests or her own interests, as well as the fan base, as well as fellow owners around the league saying, hey, we use that search firm. And again, with the stakes so high for $2 billion assets, why not pay another, I don't know, million dollars to have this? Which seems to be preposterous, but that's what's going on. Search firms are out there. And of course, the added layer of all this is the agents. Agents are very good at working the media because even more so than player agents, coaches' agents really have their ear this time of year. You're not getting information from the teams. You're not getting information from the coaches themselves unless they've been told they're no longer being considered by these teams is what happened in Green Bay. So you get it from the agents, but the agents want their quid pro quo out of this, which is tell, you know, let it out there that my guy's hot, that my guy's getting interviews, that my guy's interesting. I've had this from my perspective now in the media. People say to me, hey, Andrew, can you get it out there? that this guy's talking to a few teams. I won't do that. That's not me. It's not authentic, so I wouldn't do that. But that's what happens out there. So what happens? Teams come down to their list, and they go and hire people. A note on the Rooney rule here. Yes, it does not seem at this point. We have two hires left, the Bengals and the Dolphins, and there may be some hope there, but at this point there are no minority coaches hired. I've said this before, it's tough to hire minority coaches when you're not in the web, in the circle, in the pipeline, and this has to happen at lower levels. It has to happen uh, certainly at coordinator levels, but position coach levels, where the Rooney Rule really establishes minority-based coaching opportunities early on into the NFL. And I know there's this summer program and coaches come in, but they're in and out in a month. So it needs to be more than that. It needs to be more dedicated, more systemic. If the NFL is serious about having minority coaches, it can't just be interviewing for the top job. And then it becomes where people are cynical 
about interviews with such as a candidate like Jim Caldwell, former coach of the Lions and Colts who had interviews, and you get cynical like, well, really, was that interview or was that ticking a box like we talked about with the search firms? So you don't know what goes on inside. I do think what's good about some of these searches is transparency, and I give kudos to these teams. You know, some teams just won't do it. They won't be transparent about who they're talking to, whether they've talked to them, who's on the list. But, you know, at least with some of these teams, we've seen, we, you know, whether I think it was the Jets and the Browns, and we've just completed our interview with XYZ. That's good, because transparency creates trust. And trust is needed in these situations. You're dealing with a fan base that's going to put their commitment and investment in your product, and now you're selecting a new leader. Let them in on it. I clashed in Green Bay on this, on a lot of issues. I just thought we needed a little more transparency. We were different. We didn't have an owner. It was like working for a public trust. I always operated like, what would the shareholders do, the cheese heads? What would they want out of this? But the feeling in Green Bay was whether it would be hard knocks or, or media, just don't let it out. And certainly, I'm smart enough to know that I wasn't going to let out state secrets, trade secrets about the Packers. It was just something I thought was important, and it didn't get treated that way. Everything t- seemed to be in-house. We'll see with LaFleur and the new, uh, uh, the new administration up in Green Bay whether they'll be a little more transparent. I don't expect much. But I think with that franchise and the, pa- the vast Packer Nation, I think it's important to do that. So that's the cur- coaching process. My last rant is about the playoffs. Now we're in the divisional round of playoffs, which I think is the best weekend of the year for so much excitement, so much riding on these games. There'll only be three games left after this. And I, just a continuing wonderment, amazement about Nick Foles. He has gone through this, the Rams' defense in recent, recent weeks, the Texans' defense, and the Bears' defense all to wins. There's something about this guy. Carson Wentz is the better quarterback, perhaps. Nick Foles is the better quarterback on game day. It's just an amazing situation where teammates respond to him. He has zero, zero nerves. He's a complete flatliner, which serves him so well. And when he beat the Chicago Bears, and it's really scheme and coaching, and it's a lot more than him, and Khalil Mack was rendered ineffective, it just seems to me that, wow, there's something special about this guy. Again, the contract, $20 million option. The Eagles have an exercise window right after the Super Bowl. Assuming they exercise it, Foles can opt out of it, pay $2 million, become a complete free agent. If Foles does not opt out, he's got a $20 million salary that becomes guaranteed five days into the new league year in early March. And then they can either trade him before that five days is up for $20 million, or they can trade him after with a $20 million guarantee. The question to me is, will the Eagles hold on to him with that $20 million cap figure at all, knowing they'd have to make some moves to be able to do that? Listen, I don't put past the Eagles keeping him and trading him. I stay this and I stake it in the ground. I've said this. He will not be on the Eagles next year. As great as he is, if he leads them to a second straight Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP, they just can't keep him. He knows that. The Eagles know that. And you should know that. There's no way he stays. And it's sad. He's been such a great force for the Eagles, but he just can't stay with that contract. 
because Carson Wentz is the future. And don't even bring up trading Carson Wentz to number ones, whatever it is, not going to happen. He's the future. And his issues with his back or knee are not strong enough to stop that. He is what every team is looking for. Young ascending quarterback, big strong, big arm, highest character, and the future. So, Carson Wentz is not going anywhere. Nick Foles is going somewhere. And finally, someone who is not going somewhere, uh, contrary to so many people believing this, I'm saying it here, Antonio Brown is not going anywhere. You do a contract like that, you have $20 million of cap space allotted to him. If he's not there, that's not happening. $22 million of cap space if he is there, that's much more palatable. I know the drama, the not getting along, teammates, Mike Tomlin. Listen, it's January. Trade window opens in March. Off-season program opens in April. He's got a roster bonus of $2.5 million in March. He's getting that. He'll be there. And it'll be a uh, sit-down with Mike Tomlin and his teammates a long way. We're a long way from all that right now. So I say this. I managed a cap for 10 years. I would never have a hole in my cap for $21 million for a player, let alone a player who's not a quarterback that's been your franchise quarterback for over a decade or two decades. So not happening. Not happening. That's my rant. My rant about the, pl- uh, the coaching process. My rant about Nick Foles and finally... Antonio Brown to review. Nick Foles won't be in Philadelphia, and Antonio Brown will be in Pittsburgh. Now, word from Bet Online, our sponsor. It's a new year. It's the best time of year for football. It's NFL playoffs. There's only one place to get all this action. It's BetOnline.ag. You get your 50% bonus, 50% sign-up bonus using promo code Podcast One. I just talked about it. This is the weekend divisional championship games. Don't miss out on any of these four games Saturday or Sunday. Try in-game live betting where you can participate with all the action. Again, promo code PODCAST1, 50% sign-up bonus. Divisional round matchups, don't miss out. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Now it's time to hear from you. If you've got a question for the podcast, leave me a voicemail, 484-416-5654. Again, 484-416-5654. We got a question this week, and it is from Nick. Yeah, hi Andrew. This is Nick, your favorite Rams fan from Minnesota. Hey, I've got a question about taxing, taxation, and taxes, and filing taxes as a employee of the NFL. I was thinking I heard at some point that NFL players have to file tax returns in the state that they play away games in. Okay, Nick. Now what happens is the tax situation around the league is different state to state. A lot of these states and cities have have wage taxes, so you spend time in this new city, you have to file wage taxes. The issue becomes what's the percentage. So the argument from the city side is if you're a team that visits Philadelphia that has a wage tax and you're there for that Saturday, Sunday, it's two days out of how many? The argument from the city, it's two days out of the season length which is, I don't know, 180 days, the argument from the tax attorneys and the players is, no, 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 it's two days out of 365 days that you can be taxed on. The point is, yes, these cities do have wage taxes, and the reason is every city's looking for money. What better way to get it from athletes and entertainers, big money people that come into your state, that come into your city and do their jobs? Yes, I've had to do it as well 
and two in my taxes where I go into a city for two days for road games. Now, I went to anywhere from six to eight road games a year working for the Packers. Had to report that in those cities that did have wage taxes, like, for instance, Philadelphia. But this is another added disadvantage that athletes go through, even ones that aren't making the millions of dollars that you see. Wage taxes have special interest in taxing athletes and entertainers. People like me, I filed to be protective. I don't think they'd ever go after me if they didn't. But going after big athletes, they would. So tax preparation for athletes is a whole new ball game. Tax preparers have to be aware of all these different kinds of things. And it's a difficult process. But yes, you're right. What you heard, what you read, athletes, especially athletes, but also entertainers, when they spend their one, two days visiting, it's an issue. And much more so in hockey and basketball and baseball than in football, which I'm more familiar with. Nick, great question as always. You can always leave your questions again at 484-416-5654, 484-416-5654. That'll do it for this week's edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt podcast. Appreciate all those that follow me on Twitter at Andrew Brandt. Apple Podcast rankings and comments are always appreciated. You can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you hear your podcasts. Thanks to Brian Neal, our producer extraordinaire, and we'll be back next week with another episode of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks for listening to The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at rostucker.com or wherever podcasts are found. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. It's different for everyone. One thing is certain. Every day there's an opportunity for a win. Just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab and go. Everyday giftable. Everyday fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher High Roller Blackjack with a chance to win up to 10 times your prize. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to a retailer near you. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 4.16. Cox can help make your home smarter and your life easier. Now you can use your Contour voice remote to connect to your home life cameras so you can view them right on your TV screen using simple voice commands. That makes it easy to keep tabs on what's happening around your home right from your couch. Need to keep an eye on the kids when they're playing outside? Just say, show me my backyard camera into your Cox voice remote and watch them while you're in the house. And if you're waiting for a delivery and want to make sure it's there on time, no problem. Just say, show me driveway camera to check on it with your Home Life HD cameras on the TV screen while you go about your day. When you live in a home powered by Cox Internet, you can stay connected to what matters and let Cox take care of the rest. To learn more about all the benefits of your connected home, visit cox.com thisishome today.